0: A story of two women. One was famous for her audacity, her beauty, her appetite for headlines. The things that made people love her were the same things that made people hate her. The other woman, nobody ever noticed her. They met in Paris in 1938, working as foreign correspondents, Jane Anderson spent most of that year on a speaking tour to rally support for the nationalist side of the Spanish Civil War. She had a way of putting herself at the center of a story, so it was no surprise that she was one of many journalists who took up a cause celeb. Hemingway and Dos Passos and Gellhorn advocated for the elected republic, the socialists, the peasant soldiers who fought with birding guns and conspired to blow up bridges. Jane, on the other hand, sided with Franco and the clerical fascists. She was a strict Catholic, ardent anyway, Jane was strict about nothing. And she took it personal how the Republicans burned cathedrals and wanted to nationalize all the lucre owned by the church. Jane loved the church, all its pompous glory, the glittering robes and golden crosses and the little chime a burning censer made swinging from its chain with incense smoke trailing behind much the same as she loved the pomposity of fascists and their claims to empire. That kind of ambition was addictive to some, aspiring to rule the world as the Romans did, as Charlemagne did, to make themselves a link in the chain of history. Not to say the church and the fascistas were the same thing, but in Spain, that decade, in Jane's heart, they were close enough. But there was more to her than her politics. Some facts about Jane Anderson, largely undisputed. She was born in Atlanta in 1888. This made her 50 when she met the other woman, though Jane always claimed to be younger than she was, 36 at the most. Her mother came from a good family. Lucky Street in Atlanta is named for her grandfather. She was given his first name, Foster. Though she took on Jane as an alias when she attended Piedmont College, and by the end of her life she responded only if addressed as Dona Juana. Her childhood was split between Georgia and Arizona, where her father was a lawman and a confidant of the showman Buffalo Bill Cody. Jane knew him as Uncle Buffalo. She was five foot nine, with deep set green eyes and tawny red hair she wore long, curled at the bottom. She was partial to shishi hats, dangling peacock feathers, pert silk bows, long jackets with epaulets on the shoulders. At one point, she laid claim to being the most beautiful woman in the world. In those days, she seduced Joseph Conrad, a national hero in Britain, and made a ludicrous bid to usurp his fortune. Her only defect, it was said, was her nose. Her nose was broad, the nostrils too prominent and it made her look common to those who knew what a nose should look like. A phrenologist claimed, because of the shape of her nose, that she was prone to sociopathy, that she was a born liar, that it would be a crime if she ever reproduced. She never did. Jane reported for the Daily Mail from both Allied and German trenches during the First War as the personal protege of publisher Lord Northcliffe. She began carrying a Red Cross uniform to pose as a nurse, to sneak in where journalists weren't supposed to go, then kept up the habit her entire life. After the war, she was an alcoholic, a failed actress. Her star fell. It became known that her life was a complete mess, as she wrote about her exploits in the news, in three novels. She stalked H.G. Wells. She hatched a scheme to assassinate Lenin. She accepted marriage proposals from at least two dozen men, but was married only twice once to a famous composer and once to a Spanish count who finagled a royal wedding at the Gothic cathedral in Seville as a bridal gift. Despite the honest commissions she made as a correspondent, and that she was typically surrounded by rich men, she was almost always broke. She spent her whole life chasing money, as people do when they grow up teased with affluence that isn't really theirs. Jane Anderson was one of the most baffling, provocative women of her generation, and she knew it. Most people struggled to resist her field of gravity. The other woman, the one who had a talent for going unnoticed, was only 24 when the second war started. She had been in Paris less than a year when she met Jane. This was her first time more than 50 miles away from the Mennonite assembly in Iowa where she was born. It was a remarkable thing to make a jump like that, though by all appearances she was an unremarkable woman.